Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, you name it, plus a couple less productive approaches. After two decades of coming up short, I realized I was focused on the wrong thing. Instead of trying to fill those holes, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more worthy goal. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like instead of keeping it to myself. With this newfound permission to let all parts of me be here, I feel more human and less like a robot on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a compassionate environment will help us stop working so hard to hide our scars from the world and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. Thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about a post entitled Unseen Potholes. When our daughter Alexis died in 1997, I was devastated. In an effort to take care of myself in some small capacity, I made my way to the local gym and got onto the elliptical machine to try to exercise my aching body. Those weeks and months that followed Alexis's burial are cloudy at best, but I was reminded of this one pothole I unexpectedly fell into all those years ago. When I was driving in the old neighborhood, noticed that gym I used to belong to and felt my heart stop. If you've ever been in deep grief, you know that accomplishing the most basic tasks can feel impossible. Things like showering, making the bed, eating, and even standing up take more energy than we have. Yet at some point, we have to decide between two options. Will we re-engage and try to stay alive? Or will we just say, no thanks, and choose the downward spiral of isolation, and even eventually crave our own death. If this sounds dramatic, consider yourself lucky. If you've never felt so destroyed that dying seemed like it would be a relief, you've been spared an experience that many of us know all too well. For those of us who are familiar with this dynamic, we know just how debilitating it can be. So with this in mind, you can hopefully imagine that getting myself to a public space, yikes, to exercise after our daughter died, it seemed like an impossible task. Yet at some point, I did choose re-engagement, and I tried to stay alive. This meant I had a body, and that body needed care. And it also meant I had to go out into the world. With trepidation, I put my headphones on and started moving. Who knows what I could even tolerate listening to so as not to break out into tears while working out or worse, collapse on the floor with the overwhelm. One pedal after the next, I tried to keep going. My eyes were closed most of the time and I was, <laughs> you guessed it, white knuckling my way through with the promise of getting a hot shower and returning to my safe, quiet bed afterwards. When my eyes opened, 
mid-stride, I saw next to me a woman who was familiar. It took only a split second for me to recognize this woman's face as belonging to one of the home care nurses that had regularly worked night shift in our home when Alexis was alive. It was Linda. I stopped breathing. And when our eyes met, we both stepped into an unseen pothole. I don't know what her experience was in that moment since we never spoke about it, and I haven't seen her since that day. But my experience was that of falling into a dark hole at a rapid pace. When I say I stopped breathing, it was more like a gasp. Images of Linda in Alexis's bedroom came flooding in. I looked down at her hands, the caring hands that had connected IV fluids to the Broviac catheter that kept Alexis alive. These were hands that had changed her diapers and her G-tube dressings. She'd administered pain medications to Alexis and held her. Those hands had touched the very skin of the girl I so deeply longed for. I was reminded that we were known to one another. She'd been in my kitchen in the late hours when I made decaf tea, unable to sleep. She was there. And now, Linda and I were here at the gym, and Alexis was not. It was otherworldly. I continued moving for what may have been five more minutes or five miles. I have no idea. I don't remember getting home. I just remember seeing Linda's eyes and hands and time stopping. I'd stepped right into a pothole I didn't see coming, and I was free-falling. Grief sucks. (laughs) It really does. And one of the hardest parts about it is that potholes like these are everywhere, even decades later. Here I was innocently driving in that part of town on a beautiful fall day, and I hadn't recalled that memory for years. In an instant, I was right back there, falling, gasping, and paralyzed. It's not easy for me to share these memories in such a public way. I may even suffer what Brene Brown calls a quote-unquote vulnerability hangover. But as hard as it is, the isolation it brings is harder. Feeling like I'm the only mom on the planet that can stop breathing at any given moment because of a memory like this is worse. Knowing that I'm not alone makes it almost tolerable. And my hope is, of course, that by opening up, maybe someone else feels less alone too. I never did go back to that gym after that day I saw Linda. I could not risk another heart attack. But I eventually found my way in the world, even with potholes sprinkled everywhere, like time time bombs waiting to explode. And they often do. But I also step into miracles when I least expect them sprinkled everywhere, waiting like time bombs to explode. And they often do. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Healing Path podcast. It's true that as we navigate the world, there are these hidden potholes that we can step into where we find ourselves right back in the middle of debilitating grief. We don't ever know necessarily what may trigger a certain feeling of just being down, or I also call it feeling bluesy. Um, 
some of these things, if it's a particular date or if it's a holiday or if it's any day, <laughs> um, there are some triggers that we might expect. For example, for me, as much as I love um, my friends and especially my girlfriends that have gone on to have beautiful families, I at some point made a decision not to go to baby showers because it was just too painful for me. So there are things like that that I know will trigger my grief. But then there are other things that, like I said, don't have a, a warning um, label on them. I'm driving down the street. I look over and see this gym and I'm right back in the middle of what felt like I guess was probably a, a panic attack. Um, so it's hard to see those coming. But I ended the post with a comment about miracles also being sprinkled everywhere. And this is a huge point because just as we can step into pain, we can also step into rapture. We can also discover something that we didn't know was there. It could be the look on someone's face when they see us or a memory that brings us great joy if we allow it to also show up. So the take home here is that if we don't keep walking, yes, we can avoid some of those unseen potholes, but we also miss out on anything else that could be waiting for us. And sometimes those things are not potholes. Sometimes they're miracles. So again, thanks for listening and please share any comments you may have on this or other posts at the website, lisamcfarland.com. And of course, we're thrilled to share our digital support community called Scars to Metals is coming in early 2022. Until then, stay present, stay grateful, and stay healing. And as always, thanks for listening. <music>